most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and an author uh, make their way through the impossible to solve task, the Kobayashi Maru, if you will, of the 80s movies that we love and love to hate, looking back on them with modern eyes to see uh, whether or not they hold up or if the haze of nostalgia is just too thick. This is The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan, I believe, is the technically correct yes, colon, designation. The uh, a movie selection from 1982. Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan. A genetically superior tyrant. Exiled to a barren planet. Banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. The Falcon of Metaphor. Seems like a long way to travel. And just to the left of that is the sunshine of tomorrow. Um, okay, so this is kind of a weird episode for us uh, because, of course, uh, we recorded this live at Phoenix Comic Con way back in May. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, with us, as always, I'm Chrissy Lenz, comedian, and with us, as always, is filmmaker Nathan Blackwell. Hello. And with us frequently uh, is our guest. <laughs> the easiest <laughs> guest to obtain when we have no other guest. Uh, is Craig Michael Curtis, author. Hello to everyone. Hello. Uh, you were also uh, one of our guests when we recorded at Comic-Con. I was. This is take two. It is take two. So, yeah, we recorded it at Comic-Con. The recording didn't come out well. No, it was twas unusable uh, for many reasons. There was a technical difficulty uh, that sort of made the sound not capture fully and correctly. Um, 
We also had too much audience interaction we, from Star Trek fans. We specifically, me, got yelled at a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, to be fair, so it, it was more about Star Trek fans voicing their enthusiasm Yes, their enthusiasm, which sometimes mysteriously takes the form of, like, instead of propping up the things that we love, we're going to yell and scream about the things that we hate. Right? (laughs) Um, I I think that's a a thing in fandom in general. It is, which is like, we got to make some changes uh, to that. Because that's not how we should be approaching things. Yeah, and when a franchise hits, like, the 50-year mark... Uh, it starts to get that where it's become so expansive and so generational mm-hmm. that you start to get these, uh, I don't know, like holy wars. <laughs> yeah. It, it becomes very um, concentrated in terms of what you believe the series is about, what are the, mm-hmm. the things that you love. And then the problem is, is that, you know, Star Trek, just like Star Wars, has been so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, like the original series is something that I never got into until the movies. And I like was this one, for example. Absolutely, this mm-hmm. one in specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, the series that I got into was Next Generation, which and I think it, is true of a lot of people, especially oh, for, of for our, our, our generation, age. right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but I mean, some people, you know, their Star Trek is even more modern stuff. Like Next Generation was a while ago. Yeah, it you really know? was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, that is kind of the thing. It's, you see it with Star Trek. You see it with Star Wars. You mentioned also Doctor Who. Like, anything that's going to last. Absolutely. Once it, and, you know, 10, 20 years from now, that will be Marvel, too. Because yeah. it's just going to be... It gets so... That's not my Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it just... it you, you have a vision of it in your head. And if what is on the screen, either the movie screen or the TV screen, if it doesn't conform to what you have in your head... It is a war crime. It is. Well, it's almost <laughs> well, like that's like it, the it last Jedi. Away. Like I mean, yes. so many people lost Precisely. their shit on the last Jedi. Yeah, you know, I am pro the last Jedi. Me too. Well, and I think I like, am as well. It doesn't erase your experience that there's a new no. experience being presented to a different yeah. generation. Yeah, you know, you still like and the even, thing. I, I'm okay if you don't like the last Jedi. It, I, I would say like you know if we're, we're Branching out in genres here. We are. Uh, if you didn't like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. Which you shouldn't. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that's Sorry. more broadly, okay, that one didn't work out. Yeah. Did that ruin the franchise for you? No. No, no. no. Or like, you know, I'm, I'm partial, as you guys know, to uh, the films of Keanu Reeves. And the second two <laughs> Matrix movies really? are just like baffling <laughs> in a way. But that uh-huh. doesn't make the first Matrix movie not absolute perfection you know no. so yeah i mean i and, and, and I, yeah you know, it's a weird thing and bringing it back to like wrath of khan like mm-hmm. it's arguably the best star trek film okay um and it gene roddenberry the creator of star trek mm-hmm. and hated this movie they kicked him off from yeah, what i they, understand so the things some of the things that are great about this movie are the things that you don't see at all like in the original series or mm-hmm. you know in uh, next generation like the militarization of star trek mm-hmm. it feels very naval in this movie yeah. in the way that the original series and the first movie did not at all yeah the director uh, nicholas meyer like he was not a sci-fi fan mm-hmm. but what you can see in in wrath of khan his connective points is that he was big into opera 
Yeah. And he was big into Horatio Hornblower, these kind of adventure, mm-hmm. naval adventures. It was like a, a Harry Potter <laughs> naval <laughs> adventure. Like, you know, just like this, a series of like this young man kind of entering a world of adventure, you know. And you see a lot of that sort of bat in the hatch, just prepare the torpedo yeah. and, you know, here they come around for another swing. And he's leaning hard into that. And the military pomp. And Roddenberry hated anything that connected it to more military. It was mm-hmm. there's no exploration going on other than right. like a, a, the, talking about the Genesis device, which is very kind of like plot device. You know, it's yes. a very much of a MacGuffin. You know, it's like it's there's always been this balance of, especially like right now, like people hating the CBS series. It's like oh no, it's big and a big adventure. It's like Star Wars. There's no exploration or science. It's like. Well, there's none of that in Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- there's so many versions of Star Trek. There are. Yeah. And I, I like the new series. And I, you know, I'm excited about, um, it hasn't started yet, has it? The um, the new Picard? No, no. It, yeah. It's, it's, but it's coming out soon. Yeah. Coming I'm super soon. excited for that. I, I haven't, I've seen the first season of the CBS series. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the second season, but that's just because I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there are so many different forms that it exists in. Uh, but so, yeah, this movie it starts out in the sort of legendary test of the unwinnable Kobayashi Maru. Yes. Right. And we got Kirstie Alley up in there uh, looking fabulous. She this looks a, great. Yeah. She's this so is a, adorable. This is our second Kirstie Alley film. We had her in Runaway. That's right, Runaway. Looking fabulous. And and having such a small part in that one, too. Uh-huh. Uh, we haven't well, done Look Who's Talking. I think uh, Wrath of Khan was really where she kind of came. That was her introduction to the, mm-hmm. the world. I mean, I, I, she wasn't in the third Star Trek movie specifically because she was too big for it now. She was mm-hmm. doing Cheers and she was doing all this movie yeah, stuff. Yeah, they wanted to have this character be repeatable. And and in Star Trek 3, they have a different actress playing the same character. Robin uh, Curtis, I think. And then and then they wanted the character in number 6 as well, but again, mm-hmm. they couldn't get any of the actors, so they just made it a new character. That was Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they just basically, okay, well, is a uh, a young female Vulcan who is a protege to Spock and that was yeah. basically the exact same character right oh, he's got a lot of Zachary's he's got a lot of he's female got, protégés look he's got an internship <laughs> program alright where he is bringing young look, it's, uh, female uh, Vulcans up through female the representation in Vulcan society is not as progressive that's right and Spock is doing his part right um, it's not creepy <laughs> and I, I she so she's sort of in charge and um I'll tell you what I hate about that first scene is just that, like, apparently commanding a starship, and this is, like, throughout all of Star Trek, is just constantly barking instructions at people. And then giving you shade on it. Oh, also spinning around in your chair dramatically. Yeah. Well, and, like, me being like, you, push button three. Pushing button three. Button three confirmed. All right. Now, (laughs) move dial seven two degrees. Dial seven moving two degrees. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Isn't there a big picture thing somewhere? Like, you know. Just give me a joystick. Yeah, yeah, or just like... Which they've also done in Star Trek. Yeah, it's like, you know your job, you're doing great. Keep doing what, you know, like bigger picture instructions, I feel like. Continue to do your job, and I will sit here. Do something, do something! Keep driving! (laughs) Um, So, she's doing the test, Kirk is, and you guys are going to have to help me out, because I have not watched this since we watched it in May. He's like the boss of their training. 
Well, yeah. we don't know that the boss of their training. this is a training <laughs> exercise or a, a simulator okay. until the very end. Uh, we think that, oh, here's the Enterprise that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. And All why of our favorite in- officers are kind of gathered around at their stations, but there's this young Vulcan woman who's... who's Captain Part of the, of the ship for some program, reason, yeah. <laughs> and so and everyone like Sulu and and Spock and everyone is yeah, taking it's orders a big misdirect. Her. We you know we don't know why she's in charge, why Kirk's not there, and then also when this movie came out, like w- there was already buzz that Spock would be dying. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, and so he dies in the simulation, and in some way it was kind of a misdirect. Yeah, would, yeah. you assume oh that's the red herring. That Spock dies. Oh, it was in the simulation. That's how we. Know. That's how it. And, happened. and then we realize that Kirk's. So the simulation is over. Right. It's about the everyone. Kobe, Kobayashi dead. Maru is about accepting that. You know how we. He it, it, it gives him. It gives us a chance for him to kind of say, in some ways, the thesis of how we deal with death is. As important as how we deal with life, because the you simulation know, it's a no win cannot scenario. be won. It's it's designed to no one can actually win it. And, it's yeah. just to see how well you lose. And then we find out that he won it by cheating and changing the program. Yeah, mm-hmm. we find out he is the only so he has cadet a, who's ever beaten the scenario. And there's a that's kind of a, a mystery that. Um, uh, how do you do it? Yeah, how how did he beat the no win scenario? Mm-hmm. And he kind of lords it over everyone. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm the one who beat it. But basically, yeah, he's an admiral now who's mm-hmm. in charge of training people. So he's not gallivanting the galaxy. He's basically a teacher. And, and what a super bored fate. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, I, but I think that's like a super shitty thing. Like I get that it's like, oh, we're, you have to like be good at the unwinnable situation. It's like sort that's of, not building anyone's confidence. It's a little pretentious. It it's is. more of a military command thing of just knowing that sometimes there's no way to win. That's dumb. <laughs> like <there's, laughs> yeah, so, there is though. Like, well, you have to understand that maybe there was like. 20 other really great simulations. Well, that this, is, this, is maybe, this is maybe not the only simulation. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, why would you want to instill in the heart of your of your officers that there is a possibility that everyone's going to die? Like, you know, you, know, you y- want them brazen and brash and, like, you know what was a better? Forever. You know what was actually a better simulation? I think it was the next generation, but there was one that was, again, it was like the holodeck so they can simulate anything. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the simulation is that you will at some point have to choose someone to die okay. oh, like yeah, you, yeah. you had to send generation. them to their death and it couldn't be you you had to pick someone to go save the ship and order them to go to their death to and save that the is ship. part of a command of a, of a like a military right. vessel like you are going to have to put people's at lives and sometimes you're going to have to specifically pick one person mm-hmm. to sacrifice themselves and for look the- them in the eye and say uh you need to go in there and you know Eat all that radiation, but fix the thing <laughs> first. You basically have to order someone to be Spock in this movie. Right. And yeah. um, that is something that if you are a command officer, that's something you're going to have to deal with someday. And you have to be Maybe able to- every day. Every single day. <laughs> Hopefully <day>. not. <laughs> all right. So, so they finish up the Kobe Yapagimaru. Like, and I'm, I'm always comparing this to the, to the, and this is what earned me the uh, deep love of our audience, uh-huh. especially in the front row. The the uh, <laughs> the Star Trek Into Darkness, right? The remake of this with Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. uh, and 
because that version is just so much fresher in my mind. I really liked it mm-hmm. because I really like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. So you put him in, in a bad <laughs> yeah, role, right, right. and that movie is going to resonate with me. Um, okay, so the next thing that happens is what happened? I don't know. What a a lot of Kirk. So Kirk, it's also Kirk's birthday. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and he's moping. Yeah. And so you've got a lot of good... There's a lot of good elements mm-hmm. that are working in this. And so there were like a lot of different drafts. And they basically like took the elements that they felt that they really liked and resonated. And so you've got a lot of things like... So in his... So he's feeling old. Mm-hmm. And his apartment, his San Francisco apartment, has all these like antiques. These, collect, these military collections. And so he's feeling old. You've got young trainees... It's his birthday. He's like hitting fifty or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's got you know. Oh, and and uh, Bones, he's got to be at least fifty-five. His his pr- uh, present from Doctor McCoy or is a set of spectacles, reading glasses. Yeah, uh, so uh-huh. that just like even oh, also some like yeah. Romulan so you've got like the yeah. you've got like the old guards who are past their prime. Where you know? mm-hmm. you've got the cadets, antiques. You've got the whole like you know, device, the MacGuffin device, Genesis about creating new life on a planet so you've got kind of these all these birth kind of, and death is yeah kirk everywhere. spoiler finding out that he's got a son so you've got a it's who it, is the biggest douche kid <laughs> ever i love that character of the son who just always has like a sweater draped around his shoulders <laughs> like he's like, going to tennis take that off no one is taking you seriously you're my son take that off you're my son take so it you've off. got all these great themes though about mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kind of death and life. Mm-hmm. And for Khan, too, who we're about to meet, it's the the limits of revenge, right? How yeah. mm-hmm. how far will you go to and get vengeance and like just be a dick to someone who... Being so obsessed with it, that is to the exclusion of your own preservation. And all the other people who are still alive with you. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh-huh. you know what? I hate you, Six. There, there's a point where his, like, <laughs> you know? his, his, uh, his second-in-command is like, you've already beaten him. He's mm-hmm. crippled. He's marooned on this. And, you know, you've beaten him. We have a starship now. Let's go have some fun. Let's go to the party planet. And, yeah. and move on. You've already got your... No, no, no. I, it needs to be complete revenge. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> Just because that he can't like let it go. If mm-hmm. if he's completed his revenge, he has nothing else to live for really. Yeah. So he just needs to keep doing it. He's, no one else wants to hear him quote Shakespeare at them all day long. And it's like, yeah, I like that one where they're all like, hey, like we all look great. Look how look how terrific our chest muscles are. Like we're gorgeous. We won. Let's go hang out. Like let's just chill. Let's, let's go kick party. It. Yeah. And, and the and answer is no. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Okay, so like, w- what point does Khan pop out? I just it's uh, <laughs> okay. check off, right? Yeah, this is it mixes in with the uh, Genesis device thing. They need to find so, a yeah. lifeless planet, and they find one. Except it's not completely lifeless, so they go down, and it's a little confusing because they mistake this world for another world that apparently the other world exploded. And um, so they mistook City Alpha 5 for City Alpha 6. And City Alpha 6 is where they marooned Khan mm-hmm. decades ago. Well, that seems like kind of a big mistake. It was an oversight. Like, let's stay clear of all the City Alphas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. 
Uh, but they go down to the plant, Chekhov and his new commander, uh, who are on, who are from the Reliant, another starship, and a basically, starship. Oh yes, and it is beautiful. I love that ship. But um, wait, is that why? Is that why the Voyage Trekkers ship is called the Remarkable? Because it's similar to the Reliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like you. So yeah, in the in the sci-fi web series that we do, you you there's a tradition. You've got to name all the ships, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Like the like some of these things like the Excelsior and these great style superlative names, names. yeah superlative <laughs> names. Our, our ship is the remarkable, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So the um, Captain Terrell and Chekhov go down because naturally, whenever you go into an unknown situation, especially in like a toxic environment, you want to send your captain and your first officer down yeah. first. So that's what they do, and they get captured by Khan. Then we get Khan's backstory for anyone who didn't watch the original series. Mm-hmm. And just clarify, he's looking for revenge from Kirk. And then that's our intro to him. And he earworms them. Yes. Yes. The creepy horror thing. And uh, that's not his normal thing. He picked that up just for this movie. Right. Okay. So I had some confusion about how those earworms work. Okay. Okay. So. Bring up Wikipedia. My understanding is that. They go into your ear and they just like start munching on your brain. And because you're so distracted by being brain munched that you are more susceptible to suggestion, like hypnosis almost. But is there a psychic link? Like has Khan trained these worms to like do his bidding? He just kind of understand. They have an understanding. <laughs> him and these worms. I mean, yeah, the, the worms. He's, he's, you're going out. He spent years. This is Craig's podium right here. He's, he's he got him in like a little fish tank. And he's like babies. Yeah, he's, he's he every day he comes and talks to him. Don't worry, one day I'm going to give you some nice juicy brains. And <laughs> no, when no, I so do, he, he's given them like an Apple Watch that he can yeah. communicate to. Yeah, well, he's given the that to the victims. No, to the people. So there's no special. The worms ex- are going to do what they do. There's no special just, powers. There's no special powers. It's yeah. Uh, in terms of their his control over Chekhov and Terrell, mm-hmm. it's really just um, when they first get you know brain munched, mm-hmm. they are uh, you know he is now kind of imprinted himself as their master or their father figure, and so now listen to me because I'm the one who put the brain slug this is in there to Chekhov, not the worms. But it's yeah. two separate things, right? So the worms are just munching away. The worms are yeah. That's what they're they do. growing. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the boss of you. Yeah. Yes. The worms are doing their own thing. Khan's <laughs> doing his own thing. And Chekhov is just kind of shrugging away. And the worms away. are just a convenient He's just means. grooving on it. Yes. Correct. Okay. But it doesn't work that great because no. they're both like. Well, are you saying the worms are a flawed system? <laughs> I just I was confused by them because I thought it was like Craig was describing like he trained them and the worms were going yeah no they're babies you can't train babies <laughs> that's true um, so uh, he th- says okay. not quite domesticated so I think there was a little bit <laughs> a little of bit of domestication on. a little bit yeah I mean like, what are you gonna do you're gonna play chess again what uh, do you do if you're stuck on that planet. Yeah. You, I mean, you train mind worms. That's you do Shakespeare plays, which I think yeah. is and, what they're doing. You know, there's like five books, and like there's Paradise Lost and the mm-hmm. Bible and mm-hmm. Moby Dick, and you and just read those three books yeah. over and over. They're again. doing and chest presses, like As, yeah, oh, let, yeah. Let's be clear. Those pecs. R- Ricardo Montalban is great. He is great. He oh, is yeah. great. He and that is 100 percent his chest. 
Yes. And uh, let's just say they're going into this when they were making this movie. The original series got canceled like I don't know, fifteen years before. Mm-hmm. The first movie did okay, but yeah, the first this movie was, was kind of like the the Star Trek franchise petering out, and it was just like this was a last a ditch attempt. Yeah, and when you're Mon- Ricardo Montalban, you were in exactly one episode in the old series, and you're brought in to do this sci-fi movie, and they give you this kind of semi-ridiculous outfit to wear and these lines that are just over the top he went for it Mm -hmm. and i think he deserves credit for that i mean you could have just uh, a lot of veteran actors would have just kind of all right paycheck and i'll just i'll read my lines and get through this but no he like not our ricardo yeah he's going for it he's He's at an 11 yeah and he's like oh you don't think anyone can act more than William Shatner? Well, <laughs> that's really why it's like we talk about like the great matchups of or, or in like movie history, mm-hmm. and then I definitely on the list is got to be Khan and Kirk. Yeah, and I think part of it is that they just are hitting the ceiling. They so are. And they never they're hitting actually the ceiling. They're hitting the, the floor. In, they're falling down to the left. They're falling down <laughs> to the right. They're in corridors, tripping and, and falling. And, and in the entire movie, they never actually meet in person. Right. They're always on view screens or, or they're always. Skyping each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so these two really over the top performances are never together in the same room. That right. would just be too much. Yeah. It would be Which too much nuts. acting. We yes. would all get radiation poisoning. <laughs> and, and and even with the director like Nicholas Meyer, he had to bring them all down because they all wanted to hit the ceiling all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. So you like know, especially this is him reining them in. And then you've got, yeah. you know, like then the really nice yeah. contrast of like Leonard Nimoy and Kirstie Alley who are playing these Vulcans who are just like what, what if? What if we just chill, guys? What if we just <laughs> chill? And well, and this is like what I kept pointing out too is that like I think that uh, what is cool, what I like about Star Trek Into Darkness, um, the modern update of this, is that they take everything and they give it its opposite, right? So Ricardo Montalban is like hair for days, mm. right? Chest that won't quit. These like sort of very. How would you describe the clothing? It's almost Renaissance. It's like Renaissance stripper. Renaissance stripper is <laughs> meets exactly post-apocalyptic what it is. because yeah. it's like stuff that they've had to fashion from very little material. Yes, very little material, and they were just like, you know what? Let's just make it as sexy as possible. Like, let's only cover what needs to be covered. Uh, so when you take that into start and, and Ricardo Montalban in his performance and just in his personality is like big it's over the top he's got that beautiful accent like everything about it is like drawing you in right mm-hmm. so we get the exact opposite of that in into darkness with just benedict cumberbatch who is tall lean pale covered from neck to toe doesn't even try to do a ricardo montalban impression oh, no. which i was he's, glad he's for. doing it, it would just be silly if he tried to be like that. even even in terms of the color palette right it, like Khan is all like in in warm colors and like mm-hmm. giving you sort of life the Benedict Cumberbatch con is all in shades of gray and he's giving you stone faced. I'm not here for yeah. your bullshit. Right. He is like, it's a, the he's opposite. A cobra. Exactly. Which is what I love. And if you're going to have two things, let's not do an impression of the first exactly, one. Yeah. Let's not completely repeat what we saw the first time. Let's turn it on its ear and say, what if we tell the story, but everybody's exactly the opposite of what we expect them to be. Like Benedict Cumberbatch as con is like cold calculating unfeeling uncaring still possessed by vengeance but it, it he's serving a cult yeah you know oh, and yeah. i he's like leading that. a cult 
I like that. And I, and I like understand that some people have a strong aversion, <laughs> but I think there's place for everyone at the yes. table. Um, okay. So then at some point Kirk gets marooned himself on a, the bottom a, like, of a planet yeah, in a hallway. Underneath a planet. In, underneath the surface, there's not even a, a, a tunnel to the entrance. They just kind of cored out a, mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's a planet, like a little planetoid. It's a moon. And a moon. Uh, okay. they're just doing, they did it to do some tests in there. and mm-hmm. Of the Genesis thing. Yeah, there's no tunnel to the surface. And even if there was, there's no ship on the surface. So once you're in there, if no one knows you're there, you're there forever as far yeah. as, yeah. and so. I like that we got to see like a pitch video for the science team. <laughs> You know, it was like one of the early CGI. More concept video. Yeah, it's like, here's our pitch for the Genesis project. We hope you fund it. You and know? that was so advanced for the early 80s, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, it, that, it holds that, up that, today. It's a wonder. You like this great shot of, you know, and that was so difficult to do. And and so then that's when we see what the Genesis created. What the, well, the the whole Genesis device does? Yeah, the tutorial yeah. about where, where you have Carol Marcus doing the narration, and, uh-huh. and they do such a great job of introducing um, Kirk's uh, past with with Carol Marcus. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a character that I don't think was in the original series. Was she? I I didn't know I anything don't think about. So. But yeah, you but, just but you, you just get these small moments mm-hmm. of of Spock going Carol Marcus, and then there's a pause, and Kirk goes. Yes. And then you immediately... You know there's a history there. Yeah. You uh-huh. don't know what it is yet, but it and, just and kind the, of... And that the the, uh, the the Kirk and Bones snappy... <laughs> yeah. They snap at each other all the time. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the thing. turbo lift and just as like, as a physician, you should know about the dangers of opening old wounds, bitch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who am I hanging from? From yourself, Admiral. They they have a great relationship because they, they do. do kind of right. not emotionally. They bicker great, like but. an old couple. Uh, and they do. You don't get that with Kirk and Spock, but but McCoy is really he's not just the third wheel in this. He is the the emotional confidant of Kirk, and mm-hmm. he knows more about Kirk's history, I think, than anyone except for Kirk himself. And so, it's yeah. Carl Urban in the new one, so we don't lose anything. <laughs> it's great. Um, okay, so they're stuck. Everybody's like really mad and they're all freaking out and they're like, we're stuck and we're mad. Mm. And Kirk's like, can we all just chill? Like, does anyone have a snack? Should we have a snack? Yeah, like- he's being really <laughs> cocky without a cause to yeah. me. He's like, you just got defeated by Khan. We're trapped here forever. Oh. I'm was counting great, the yeah. boy to girl ratio and I'm not thrilled about it. <laughs> uh, and he's just like, you know, he's. He's snacking on an apple like an asshole, and just like no, everything's everything's going according to plan. What you? Because he does have a secret plan. He does have a plan, and he assumes it's going very well. Mm -hmm. We did gloss over like the one of the best action sequences in the whole movie. Okay, which is like Khan's spring attack. Okay, and and then that's just so. I don't remember it, Nathan. So you're gonna have (laughs) to tell me what happens. Oh, it, 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 I mean, it's just so great in terms of suspense, and it, it it definitely kind of, you've got these two great sequences that are very, again, just like 
these naval like turn the mast to port and you know and it's like bring the guns around and mm-hmm. and and just Ooh, turn the dial two degrees that right. way and just and just this whole ambush that Khan has on them okay bringing in a, a, a friendly ship the Reliant virtually and, cripples the Enterprise uh, with a sneak attack yeah and okay. and then Kirk flipping it around by you know like uh, taking control of the Reliant and having them lower their shields because and, he mm-hmm. understands these ships. More than Khan. Khan is incredibly intelligent, but Kirk understands these ships in a way that yeah. Khan doesn't. And so you get kind of this this great um, kind of naval naval like chess game. You mm-hmm. know, it's like one of the things I really loved in like the Hunt for Red October. It's like they're they're it's a chess game of like move counter move. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, of course, the big the big battle in at, at the end of the movie, which we'll get to later. Okay. So. And it, once again, I understand better in the newer version. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is Khan? He's like, they were like, oh, let's make a super soldier. So, yeah. So, he's from the past. Okay. So, like, yes. like. The eugenics wars, which so like Star in Trek the 1990s. Takes, yeah. So, so yeah. They wrote the, come on. They wrote it in the 60s. <laughs> and so, the whole idea was, so, like, Star Trek is, like, in the 24th century. Okay. And so, in the past, there were, like, these genetically created supermen. Mm-hmm. And so he was effectively a dictator. Okay, and that's why he got marooned because it was like yeah. So in his, the no, in his time, mm-hmm. he was basically a genetically superior dictator. He was like a scourge of the earth. You okay. know, like everyone knew Khan. It was a big deal. And so I, I assume I'm 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 a little fuzzy on the details, but he basically either got overturned or whatever. And so they basically. Went into cryosleep. They and exiled him into cryosleep, but then they basically shot. All right. Yeah, we, Dr. We, Evil style, he you. left Earth. We won't kill you, but we're going to exile you into. We're going to put you in cryosleep, put you on the ship, yeah. and there's. He, you he was basically Dr. Evil with a country. Right. <laughs> and he got defeated and, and, and got frozen into space with all of his dudes. And Kirk did that. No, 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 no. no. This, this is, was back in the past. This so is, this is like, ni- yeah, in the 90s. Then why is he mad, so mad at so Captain so Kirk? then that's that's in where, the TV that show us to the TV show. Explain this movie to me. <laughs> so then in the TV show, <laughs> okay, um, they find them, mm-hmm. they bring him back, and, and he's like, "Well, I'm not just going to be some dude. I'm going to take over." Right, 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 right. So right. he takes tries to take over the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Kirk foils him, mm-hmm. and he and, and instead of like. You're going to space prison. the The decision is that they're going to just be basically put on this planet okay. to have a life, to have a chance. It's yeah. a life. It's a planet with no technology. It's just like a forest or and a jungle. It should be noted that in the TV episode at the very end, here, Khan's pretty okay with this. It's like, all right, I'm going to build a new world on this this place, mm-hmm. and uh, he falls in love with. Because again, of he's a Kirk's- leader. He's a dictator by by. Yeah, Nature. he wants to build. A, he's not. You know, I won't say he's not evil, but he doesn't consider himself evil. He considers himself the rightful leader of humanity. Right. And so he likes this challenge, and he falls in love with one of Kirk's female officers, and she goes with him. Yeah. So he's got a love. And so, in the interim between the movie, the series, and the movie, apparently the, the whole planet was just wasted. Yeah, City Alpha Five uh, turned into this wasteland. His wife uh, died, and he blames all of this on Kirk because Kirk never bothered to follow up 
on the episode. It was just sort of a, you know, a hit, they hit the reset button at the end of the episode and forgot all about them. And it's how Star Trek rolls. It's the yeah. first consequence of forgetting a previous episode by a character. So, yeah. Okay. So, so Kirk has left the tiger to stew and get angry. Okay. All right. So the way... Th- so did you get to say everything you wanted to say about this super cool spacey chasey? Uh, it's great. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so the way that they win in the end is that, like, he, like, gives this coded sort of like subliminal messagey like yeah. wink wink so he's been pushed a lot about being kind of a cowboy and playing you know from shooting from the hip mm-hmm. you know which is a cowboy thing it is it's a cowboy term hip it shooting. um and so opposed to you know, shooting from next to your ear which would not right. be <laughs> yeah, yeah so Kirstie alley is like you know by the book it should be this this and that and spock yeah. is like dude he knows the book he's just ignoring mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and so this time he goes by the book right and it confuses, and she she's not in the loop. That's okay. She's young. It, but I thought, like, what she does, he's, like, saying, no, 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 we are going to do this yeah, so, your way. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so and so he basically, oh. with uh, with Scotty, with, no, with uh, Spock. Spock. He yeah. and Spock kind of speak on another, because this Subtext. communication takes they, place yeah. over a communicator. They know each Spock other so saying, well. By yeah. a book, and they can read each other so well, even over a communicator. That they have an understanding. Fox says, by the book, we will not be repaired for three days. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kirk instantly is able to interpret that to mean, oh, we're being monitored. Spock's saying, we'll be ready in three hours. Mm-hmm. And so they speak in this code language over the intercom, knowing Khan is going to be overhearing it. And they, they didn't come into this advanced. It's... It, speaks to how well Kirk and Spock connect, uh, even though they're very different people, that they can just kind of suddenly read each other's tone Mm -hmm. and understand not just that I am talking, and and it's a little heavy, by the book, Captain, wink, wink, Uh, but they they understand each other on a level that even McCoy or any of the other crew don't connect with Kirk on. Right. Yeah. And we have to we have to touch on the the connection of their friendship because mm-hmm. again, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, Spock dies at the end. And then it's a very yeah. yeah. And Spock's whole deal is like uh the good of the many outweighs the, the needs, needs of the of many the outweigh one. the needs of the few or right. the one. Or the one. So in in saving the day, essentially, they have to kind of explode the Enterprise from the inside unless one person can go and, like, tap the button. Yeah. <laughs> That's my understanding. Yes. It, it's more that the ship has been damaged and okay. someone's got to go they hit the to, button to reset. Yeah. <laughs> they, they reach a point uh, where they... Radiation beat. in or out. No, we want it... Out. They, they've beaten Khan, <laughs> but Khan is going to blow up his own ship and yeah. the Enterprise with it. The Enterprise needs to get the hell out of Dodge, and uh, their engines are damaged because radiation is in the radiation room, mm-hmm. and it just needs to be fixed. But they just need radiation. a robot. Yeah. And uh, or a radiation suit, or a long, <laughs> or a long stick with like a uh, put on three radiation suits. But, uh, so basically, Spock takes his, takes the initiative and goes in there and fixes the thing, gets a lethal dose of radiation in the process, and they get away. And so Spock sacrifices himself for the mm-hmm. ship, the needs of the many, needs of the few, etc. Um, and 
Kirk, who did not order him to do this, did not even know he was doing it in the first place. He thought everything, oh, Scotty just fixed it, right? Like right. he always does, right? Like he in the of time. And good job, Scotty. And then he gets the, the grim uh, McCoy over the intercom, uh, Jim, you need to get down here right mm. now. And uh, in another movie in another with other characters, this would just be sort of a stock Oh, another character sacrificed themselves. It happens in every movie. Mm-hmm. But in this movie... Literally because, every movie. Literally <laughs> every single movie. Ever in Toy Story. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. Uh, but because it's Kirk and Spock, and because of the way they play it, it has such an emotional impact yeah. on you. And you just like... Yeah, even if you weren't a fan of the TV show, the, the Star Trek characters were popular known icons. Yeah. yeah. You know? you know who's Kirk and Spock is, even if it's like if was it was Big Bird, mm-hmm. Big Bird, and Ernie having to say goodbye. <laughs> um, yes, and and again in the in the Into Darkness, like they flip that too. So it's Kirk yeah, who goes so in, it's Kirk and who Spock, does the sacrifice. Right? It's the literal uh, opposite, and I thought that was good. You know, I love the performances, even even in so far as they are over the top. Like I love it. I that's what I'm here for. I, this Man. is what I'm checking into Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan to see. Yeah, is chew up that scenery yeah fall the over opera those. of it yeah, yeah. exactly um, and I'm not super well acquainted with Star Trek like I know enough to know I'll never know enough right <laughs> I've seen all of the original series I've seen all of the animated series I've wow. seen a handful of the next generation I've seen the new uh, series um, even though I can't remember right in this moment what it's called. The, the like new one that's happening now. Discovery. Star Trek into Star Trek. Star Trek into, into Star, Star Trek. Trek, yes. And I've seen the like rebooted ones, you know, but like I get it. I'm not one of you. Like I, <laughs> I never will be. The um, first lesson is that you will never be one I of us. I will never be. But I, I love it. I like this movie. I like I like the overtop performances. I also like Still Alive. Old friend. Yes. <laughs> or like, and all the like, I will, to my last, I will strike at thee. Like, I, I love the costumes. I think everybody looks amazing. Their hair is terrific. I love these star, Starfleet uniforms. These, yes. The red naval uniform. I know Roddenberry. And this is another thing we were talking about at the beginning where uh, when a franchise has been around for so long that you just kind of. It, it, it stretches to the point where different people have such wildly different perspectives, but it's also where the creator of a series, mm-hmm. in this case, Roddenberry, it could be George Lucas, it could be yes. uh, Tolkien, it could be J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. but uh, the original vision that they had maybe doesn't evolve in the same way that it does for the fandom or mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you know just how it is looked upon mm-hmm. from the past and Roddenberry wanted to keep Roddenberry owned the original series in terms of his creative vision and probably the first movie and a little bit of next generation mm-hmm. but after that the, the the later Star Trek movies the later Star Trek series he I mean he hated like when he died the two projects going on were Star Trek Six and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and he hated both of them. He hated conceptually both of those, and 
It, it was like that well, is yeah. such and, a bummer. And and, and he it, and Star Trek: The Next Generation, in my opinion, really didn't start getting good until his influence yeah. was decreased he, because yeah. he he didn't want conflict between the characters. Right. He wanted that to harmony that to be yeah. solved yeah. in humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it, it was just it just became less. Of, it, it was more about ideas and less about people. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think that that's a very good point because the the best of these huge things right these things that you you create something it becomes so big that it really is has a life of its own much like your literal children right mm-hmm. at some point you they grow see, beyond your influence you've baked it into them or you haven't right and they're mm-hmm. going to be the people that they are the mm-hmm. same thing is true i think of these big franchises and the ones that really succeed and get better and grow and change are the ones where there is a handoff. Like, yeah, yeah. this is my child, but now you need to shepherd it into the next thing. Like, back it, off. It, it, Get yeah. out of here, Lucas. Yeah. Like, That's one of the it, things is that, you know, like when you create a work mm-hmm. of art, it, it also reflects not only the things that you believe, but it's also yeah. the beliefs of the time and mm-hmm. what it means about now. And if it doesn't change with how times change then it's not reflecting the art that the people want to see or it need to, to see. It starts to look archaic if it just keeps to the same formula. And it, yeah. like Next Generation is a very late 80s Star Trek TV series. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine Voyager are a very 90s Star Trek TV mm-hmm. series. And the original series was a very 60s version. It, it, Which that's is the one I like. I like why that Why it survived <laughs> is because it's evolved with the times. This mm-hmm. is an 80s Star Trek movie, and Into Darkness is a very teens Star yeah, Trek movie. It really is. And uh, it just, if you don't suit the times, if you're just holding on to the past, then you're just going to become an anachronism. Exactly. You're going, you're going to fit. You, at some mm-hmm. point, you got to like... Let it go, man. Yeah. Um, okay. But so I think we all agree that this movie does hold up. Yeah. As oh, yeah. In yeah, right. a, a truly enjoyable watch. It, it's got some plot elements that are a little um, confusing or, uh, uh-huh. okay, true. that doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't yeah. they do this? But all in all, it's, it's held up very, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd put this in my top 25. Of all of all genres of all time, of all time, wowie wow, or at least in terms of the t- of the movies that I've seen. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're limiting it's, it to that. It, yeah, otherwise it's hard. So, what um like how would you rate it? Like, I'm really interested to hear how you guys right. would rate it as like being these sort of baked in fans. So I, I, I'm biased because this was in a lot of ways my introduction to Star Trek. Like okay. I I saw I re- I remember seeing this. In the theater as like mm-hmm. a six-year-old, you know. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, all I—the only image I remember is the the, the credits, mm-hmm. and then the lights come up, and I'm just thinking, "Whoa, that was a movie! Yeah. That was like I had seen movies before. <laughs> I just but saw it, a movie. Boy, that's a movie. Yeah, you know. And so it, it's definitely baked into my mind of like the kind of movies I loved. And, mm-hmm. At this point, I'd already seen Star Wars and and mm-hmm. and um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that other stuff, but um, which I I probably love more even. But I mean, this one was just it was a watershed for me mm-hmm. um, in terms of of like movies and things like that. But yeah, I mean, 
I just never felt a connection with the Star Trek original series. It was too cerebral for a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved the fantasy of it, but there was other stuff at that yeah. point that I could get into, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, and so it's difficult for me to say, like, how it compares because I do love Next Generation, you know, but it's for different reasons. So how would you rate this then? Like, if we're not holding it up against other Star Trek, then just up against, like, other just, movies in your right. heart. I would say just as other movies, I mean, structurally, and, and structure is something that you can sense even without knowing anything about movie structure. It's, 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 it's fantastic because it's so operatic. It's mm-hmm. so about... You know, um, the young and the old and the the revenge and like the ultimate showdown of two people and these these ships, these, you know, these naval battles and just like everything being pushed to the furthest end, Mm -hmm. you know, to where the best friend dies and then the, you know, a a world explodes or or like, uh, you know, I guess technically it doesn't explode, but um but yeah, it, it's in terms of structure, it's just so fast and lean and mean, and it just yeah, it's just a, a, a wonderfully exciting film. Can, can I also just say, for its tone, science fiction was really—I mean, it's been around for a while—but mo- the modern science fiction at this point was really just getting started with uh, Star Wars and also 2001: Space Odyssey. Okay, and um, they each of those two movies had their own specific tone and most science fiction movies that came after those two movies mm-hmm. really tried to copy one or the other. This one really felt like it it found its own voice. It feels like um, the most recent version of Battlestar Galactica does. Mm-hmm. It's gritty human drama in a sci-fi setting. And um, that wasn't really tried before. It, it took itself more seriously than most sci-fi movies did at the time. And I appreciated that because if you want to live in the world and if, if the world is so whimsical and fantastical mm-hmm. that it's just no one, you, no one's taking yeah, it it's seriously. Not, that's the thing. It's, it's, even though it's in a lot of ways closer to Star Wars than like 2001. Like the first... The first Star Trek first movie Star Trek was movie, to be 2001. Yeah, it was so heady and laborious, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, and it's definitely got good things about it, but it's 100% a different beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Star Trek... You know, Star Trek Two was not a fantasy. It was really an adventure film. Yeah. You know, it was not like, you know, space magic and like weird animals. You Which know? I like as well. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But yeah. it was there's, there's a place for that. You it's know, just, it, it, it didn't try to copy that. Like a, a lot of formula. the the movies yeah. trying to copy. Um, uh, Star, Wars? Star Wars was like you know like like Star Crash and things uh, yes. like that. Just like <laughs> we don't understand it, so we Krull. shall yeah crawl. I mean, even like the Flash Gordon movie, like mm-hmm. we will put out absurd, fantastic things, but it's space, and you like yeah. that, right? You yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I so think the- that's what you come to this podcast for because you guys have all these like really deep and meaningful thoughts about like what sci-fi is and what it's there <laughs> yeah. for and what this is serving us and what that is doing. And I don't care. Um, and I love that, you know, because it's like, okay, I just watched this as a movie. And yeah, you're like, but did you okay, like it? Was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, I did like it. Mm-hmm. I did like it. And so like, if I was giving it a one, one, one con out of 10 cons, I would give it seven cons. Ah. You know, I think it's a fun watch and I think everybody should see it like just as a cultural reference point. Mm-hmm. So maybe I give Definitely. it an eight. 
Yeah, do it. I just gave it Go one for extra it. Bump point. It. I just com- I will I gaslight you into giving it <laughs> into giving it one extra point. Uh, oh, what about you, Greg? I would actually also give it an eight. I eight. think it's it's held up extremely well considering that this was early '80s, mm-hmm. and it's been you know coming up on almost 40 years now. Shut your mouth. I uh, know <laughs> it's sobering, but uh, <laughs> the the. The movie has held up very, very well, yeah. and it was entertaining to begin with. So um, I, I think that for me, I, I might have liked Star Trek VI a little more personally, but this is the best Star Trek movie. I think it's hard to dispute that in terms of overall quality and entertainment value. I don't even know what Star Trek VI is. The Undiscovered Country. Also okay. also directed by Nicholas Meyer. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about you, Nathan? Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely tippy top for me. Great. Um, the, maybe the... I mean... Yeah, the reason why it's maybe not a 10 mm-hmm. is just maybe personal reasons, you know, or or whatever. But, I mean, yeah, so this is this movie is super high for me. That's great. I love it. So what is your deep cut recommendation for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? Okay, I want to recommend, I know Nathan mentioned um, Hornblower earlier. Oh, I want yeah. to actually mention um, a different novel series called the Aubrey Maturin series. Um, there was a movie called Master and Commander, The Far Side of the oh, I World. I love that one. That's based off of this novel series. And um, I think it actually um, has a deeper connection to Star Trek or the original Star Trek than Hornblower just because the two main characters have a very strong Kirk-Spock dynamic. Mm-hmm. And they also, uh, the ship they use most often is the HMS Surprise, which has a very enterprisey feel. Yeah. Um, but in, in particular, the, the Kirk-Spock dynamic with these two characters, the ship's captain and their doctor-slash-scientist-slash-spy. Um, slash Paul Bettany. Yeah, slash Paul Bettany. Yes, absolutely. Um, I love a skinny Brit. I'll take them in any, <laughs> in any way. I can get they them. have very little in common, <laughs> just like Kirk and Spock, but they have a deep friendship and a, a sort of a connection yeah. that I think if you like from Star Trek, I would recommend that series. I think that's a very good recommendation. What about you, Nathan? Uh, I'm going to go with also a book. Ugh, yuck, books. Ew, reading. <laughs> um, I, uh, the View from the Bridge, which is a oh. Nicholas Meyer, he's the director, mm-hmm. uh, memoir about um, kind of his times in um, Hollywood, but also specifically about, you know, the wrath of Khan and, and directing um, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So you get kind of a, an, an, a great kind of look behind of what it was actually like to make those movies and like dealing with egos and yeah. and like bring reining in Shatner and Montalban. It's like, <laughs> no, let's not hit the ceiling every time. <laughs> You think this is? You should have seen it before. Yeah. No, no, yeah, it's like it's and like. Wait, is this true? Is this true? or Is this a false memory that they would just make? He would make Shatner do his lines over and over and over until he was tired. Yes, is that so, real? So Shatner would always like overplay things. Like uh-huh. I feel like that. He's like like a poor marksman. You keep hitting the missing the mark. <laughs> yeah, it's like Shatner just fires out like a cannon, and sometimes uh-huh. you don't want that. You need like a more human and restrained performance, and so like Nicholas Meyer's technique is just like, well, let's just have him do twenty takes, and by the twentieth he'll be bored of it. Tired that it comes out more naturally when he's doing it for the twentieth, thirtieth time. Yeah, and then the times when I think he's just too big, it's like that's 
that's okay. Or Nicholas Meyer's like, fuck it. We just got to finish this movie. <laughs> we just got to go. Um, okay. I like both of those recommendations. Um, so this is not my recommendation, but I just want to mention like Ricardo Montalban is in the movie Spy Kids 3D and yeah. like his performance in that is really charming. If you have to watch He's it. He's a charming he guy. He makes it work. Yeah. Um, but my recommendation is going to be therapy. For God's sake, go, <laughs> go to therapy. Solve your problems like within yourself, your need to like define your life by how it relates to the people who have wronged you. No, let's work through that shit. Like, work on the communication that allows you to speak on two levels with somebody and have that level of subtext. Let's let's deal with our issues of getting older. Let's work out those father-son relationships. Let's really just work on ourselves, guys, and iron this out. Yeah. Let's and learn let's how to handle a no-win scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Stop wearing those goddamn sweaters like that. <laughs> Would you please? Yeah. Um, awesome. Like, you know, I'll tell you what, like we definitely lost a little bit of trainer in translation from the, li- the energy of the live event to like redoing it, you know, now months later. Um, so I also recommend like live events, come out to see us record some live stuff. We're going to, we have some on the calendar that are going to be coming up, uh, for our two year anniversary. Ooh. We're each going to do that thing where we like pick a favorite, a big one that we haven't done yet. Uh, and we're going to do those episodes live. So come see it while the magic happens. Because that, that recording might get messed up and it might, you might never <laughs> see it again. <laughs> um, we only do live podcasts that no one will ever no hear. One, they're more like plays at this point. Um, although the, the one that we recorded at Big Pine, it was the episode before this and that one turned out fine. It wasn't our equipment. It wasn't. <laughs> I was not in charge of that. Um, okay, so where can people go to uh, support you, find your books, and uh, read the uh, the musings of Craig Michael Curtis? Uh, you can go to my Facebook page uh, or my website, craigmichaelcurtis.com. Uh, you can find my books um, uh, usually on Amazon or on uh, any online tablet that uh, either Nook, Kindle, or the like, uh, look for Craig Michael Curtis, and uh, then you don't get it. Okay. Where can people find? <laughs> <laughs> SquishyStudios.com. Squishy and Squishy Studios at Instagrams and Facebooks. Yay. Um, also, find uh, me and NCT, uh, NCT Phoenix or NCT PHX on all of the different various social medias. Um, and also check out the most excellent pod uh, site, and the most excellent pod social medias. It's mostexcellentpod.com. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it's most excellent pod on Instagram because uh, I'm finally trying to get around to putting some stuff on that. Woo-hoo. So check it out. Um, and uh, be sure to join us next time when we're going to be talking about the 1985 Western Silverado. Yes. Yes. All right. So thanks for listening. Uh, like, rate, review, thumbs up, all that wonderful podcast magic. And just while you're walking around out there, keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and... Con! Con! Con!